Welcome back, everybody. Another episode of Bootstrapped Web. Brian, it's great to be back. Yeah, good to be back on. We're uh, sort of nearing the end of the summer here. Still got a few more weeks, but, uh, but you're, you're back from vacation. How are you feeling, dude? I feel good. It feels nice to be back. I was in Michigan for two weeks, which was nice and also one week too long. Hmm. And I got back on Sunday and had a board meeting on Monday. So that that second week of work was wasn't full of work, yeah. But my mind was thinking through slides and deck and numbers and narrative and you know wrangling people, making sure everyone's set for the meeting. And yeah. it's you know it's still not that big in terms of like number of people, but it's a it's a stressful. It's thing. a big deal, right? Yep. Yep. I mean, uh, I know we go through this sort of routine whenever we do our vacation. So like. Yeah, like how how did that vacation go? You said it's uh, it was like one week too long. We we we've had that happen to us quite a bit where we'll go on a trip and it's like this could have been 4 days instead of 7 or something like that, you know. Yes. Yeah. It, right, the issue with the 2 week vacation is that I'm not about to take off 2 weeks. Exactly. Right. If it's 1 week maybe I can, I'll take off. But if it's 2 weeks I'm not taking off 2 weeks, which means I'm not really off, which means I'm kind of working the entire time. And right now where we are in the business, I am playing the role of salesperson on certain deals. And we had some really great prospects and demos and second calls while I was away. So oh, so you're I, doing like actual sales calls while you're out there? Yes. Yes. I, I really minimized all the things other than like calls with outside people, right? Not internal calls, but yeah. uh, but calls with important partners and potential customers. And that just meant I just had a little bit in the back of my mind on, okay, tomorrow morning at nine, I got this call or it's one o'clock right now and we're having ice cream, but I got a two o'clock call. So do I need to leave before everyone else is ready? And should I take a different car? So it's just, you know, part of the deal, but yeah. uh, wifey's cool. She understands where we are right now in the biz and that's what's necessary. And it's also fun. I, I, I had a great time on vacation itself. And those calls are, you know, they're, that's the fun stuff, the, those opportunities. It reminds me of like the very first few months of launching audience ops. I mean, this is like literally like in month four or month five of that business when it was just all sales calls. Like we were just like lining up our, our first, you know, mm -hmm. I don't know, 10, 20 clients in, in, in the first couple of months there. My family and I were driving around the country, going between Airbnbs, nice. oh and I just I, and I literally remember like doing sales calls like in the car with my one year old in the back and the dog in the back, and like I'd be like, "Look, hey, family, just like <laughs> for like twenty yes. minutes, I, I just got to do this. Just sorry, like, and we're like in yes. between states, you know? That's right. Or, this is how we pay for like, vacation, so it's yeah. justified. Yeah, yeah." Yeah. And, and Michigan's beautiful. You know, we, we had a house on the lake facing West. So I got these amazing sunsets. Uh, I posted a picture on Michigan, uh, on Twitter. And yeah, if you're not familiar with Michigan, I got to get shocked. like, at, at some point I got to like pick your brain about Michigan so you can like plan our vacation there. Cause that's like one, okay. one region in the country we haven't really been. So, okay. I'm, I'm about cool. to write an email to my best friend from high school. Who's going up there. So I'll just keep that and be able to to forward to you. Nice. nice. Uh, that's it. But now the board meeting feels like it was weeks ago, even though it was on Monday. And yeah, I'm pumped up, man. I feel I feel great. We are in sales mode. 
we have our pipeline full. Um, yeah, I'm excited to talk about the learning curve we're going up, and I'm going up personally. Uh, how about you? Yeah, how are things? I mean, uh, you know, I think as always, we have a little bit of overlap there. Like I've been doing some some learning on the sales side as well, um, and uh, so we can get into that. I've been, you know, I think it's funny. I think on the last podcast, I I probably talked about um, folks in our circles, like you know doing like the personal audience thing and like investing time and and doing videos or newsletters and daily updates and stuff like that and i was sort of saying like you know i don't understand the point um and and uh it's not for me anymore well i'm i guess i'm sort of like challenging myself on that and i and i and in the last two weeks i have been trying to do um you know building in public uh by sharing usually in the morning, like what I worked on yesterday, what I'm working on today, and maybe a, something that's on my plate. And, and I'm trying to show the work as much as possible. I'm doing that on um, on X or Twitter or whatever. X, that's right. And <laughs> you're, you're, you're doing it in an interesting way. It's it's long form video. Are you just, you know, just talking through what you're working on? I think it's evolving. I'm trying to figure out mm-hmm. the right... Um, the right way to do it for for me um my main goals with it are you know really number one is just to you know because i've been going a pretty long time now a couple of years where i i'm doing almost nothing in terms of being public other than this podcast and mm-hmm. a little bit of tweeting here and there but mostly just i'm not like trying to build an audience really and even now i'm not necessarily trying to grow an audience but i am trying to uh be a little bit more intentional about being public and sharing my work. Um, so here's why, right? Like one would be like for self accountability. Um, I think that I I'm actually finding it's not that I ever have any issues with like motivation, um, or even focus. I think I'm pretty good overall with like setting priorities and executing in general, but I have found that there is an extra, there's a new level, like a new gear of that self accountability and execution when you when you state publicly like this week or or today i am working on this and tomorrow i'm going to need to publicly report back on that and if i don't do it like there there were several days in the last two weeks where i did not do what i intended to do that day whatever yeah. got to, got distracted got went on a sidetrack whatever it was and it felt like shit and even some of those days i decided not to record a video um it, i don't know like maybe Yeah, it it just adds a little bit of extra pressure. And I think that's Mm -hmm. sort of helpful, at least for me. Um, The other the other thing is to just share the work. I mean, the the whole build in public. Hashtag, if you will, like it's gotten to a point where it's just sharing MRR graphs. And I think that's the least interesting way to do it. Um, And I just want to show how we grew to five million ARR in this many months is like the lamest, least valuable thing. Yeah, and I and I really strongly believe that like it's it's actually interesting to see how people work. Show me the work. Don't show me the final outcome. That's interesting too sometimes, but like mm-hmm. how do you do the work? So so in these videos I'm I'm sharing my screen and I'm trying to just literally show I'm going through like the list of what I'm doing that day, but I'm but for each thing I'm I'm showing this is what it looks like in Notion. This was my email with that person and, and what that exchange sort of looks like. Um, here's how we're planning this. Here's how I'm managing my, my dev team and, and working through these issues. Um, 
And I'm learning some stuff. I'm getting some feedback from folks like, oh, like you, you organize linear that way. That's, that's different from how I do it. Okay. Okay. Um, and then, and then there's like the network effects too. It's like, all right, well, why is this actually worth my time? Well, it, it does help to not necessarily grow a large audience, but like a small connected audience who actually is tuned into what I'm working on is definitely helpful. Like when it Mm -hmm. comes to partnerships, word of mouth, hiring, um, asking for feedback, ask, asking to learn. I mean, that, that's another thing that we'll, we'll cover here. Like I've been asking people to show me how they do sales and uh, listeners of this podcast or people who connect with me on Twitter, like they are available because I put mm-hmm. myself out there, you know? Yeah, it is. Presence has a value in and of itself, just being there as opposed to being quiet. And even if it doesn't feel like there's like there's a direct connection to showing how you set up a project leading directly into coaches signing up for your product like it still makes a difference yeah um i got a little taste of it this week when andrew warner posted our mixergy podcast and thank you to everyone who commented uh, some really nice stuff and you know made me feel great about about it and it, at the same time it also made me one of the comments was uh the algorithm it hasn't been showing me jordan's uh, post dude multiple people commented or tweeted to me about that too right like they they went yeah. to my profile tweeted like like to- told me that like hey all these videos that you've been posting for the last two weeks i did they, not they haven't see seen them i know yeah. it's it's very fr- it's very frustrating because so the, the, it is pinned the, to my to my twitter now if you want to see <laughs> good good yeah the, the but dude, your your mixergy interview i told you and i, and I told andrew um really your that was like one of my favorite mixergy interviews in in a long time like it was one of those like standout didn't really follow the formula on mixergy it was just telling a really compelling story like real talk about about your story with cartook i mean really awesome i definitely recommend people listen to it. thank you so much i i appreciate that um i what it, it made me want to figure out like you're figuring out now how to how to post more authentically because i i also get a little jammed up on like what what do i want to say here instead of just like blathering i've almost like been warming up with like pictures from michigan (laughs) you know just like like what comes to mind almost from an innocent point of view like this has no this is just twitter and this is just a way to publish to the internet i have there is no motive yeah you know there's no there's nothing behind it there's no plan there's nothing it's just interaction with a publishing platform i've tried to strip away all the expectations and the things that i think about twitter and what people are on there doing and all that i'm just like no this is this is i don't go to the office there is no office there's no group of people that i interact with yeah. and like it or not twitter's actually the closest thing exactly. to those interactions and, and so and- make it what you want it to be Make it what you want and just be authentic. And and really, that's what I'm trying to do in these videos. And and also a big part of it for me now is like, and I'm still questioning on on like how long I can actually sustain doing this on a regular mm-hmm. basis. I'll probably do it in spurts, go on and off. But like, but the thing is like, this cannot take up too much of my time. You know, um, if if I were doing like the um, well produced YouTube channel thing or yeah. or the or the in-depth newsletter writing thing where I, where I'm where I'm writing a an essay in, on my blog every day or every week like I I do not have the time to do that sort of stuff like that, right unless that, that would that's your business yeah that would take multiple hours yeah unless I was actually doing a content business I can't do that like, I'm working on a SaaS so 
the best thing and the the thing that makes sense to me is like, well, every day I'm thinking about what I'm working on and I'm and I'm reviewing work from yesterday. Why don't I just record I record it right into Clarity Flow and then I mm-hmm. export the video and I put it up on Twitter and and I write a tweet along with it. Like here's here's the list and here's the topic of what I talked about today. And it doesn't, you know, I'm 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 trying to get more efficient with it, like record for roughly 10 minutes and It'll take me 20, 25 minutes overall to like bullet point the list, record the video, export it, write the tweet, get it out. And then it's like 20, 25 minutes in the morning. I, I could I could sort of deal with that. Um, yeah. I have taken days off where it's just like, I just can't fit it in today. I just want to get right into work. But um, it has to be efficient. And it also has to be like, I'm just sharing my byproducts here. You know, um, I'm not taking a lot of extra time to like ideate a whole new theory that I want to write an essay about. I'm just like, here's literally what's on my plate today. Here's what I think is interesting about it. And if you're working on a SaaS, like here's what I'm seeing in my SaaS, like this, this is probably interesting fodder for, for what you're working on, you know? Yeah. There's an element to craft. Is that, is that the right term? Maybe. That, that that remains interesting in in what we do and how we do it yeah. you know it, it's it like you can get a little bored of the actual subject matter for your customers you know what i mean like yeah. What, so yeah there's so there's there's something to like how we work that yeah, and like how how we make decisions and how we plan out big projects because all we ever see is the end product what gets published what gets shipped like how did that mm-hmm. actually come together what were the open questions? What were the challenges? You know? Um, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I, I like, uh, I like when, so I, I'm having two opposite experiences at the same time these days where on one end, I'm going through the learning curve on enterprise sales and it's opening me up to this whole new world. And it feels great to learn something new and acknowledge that you're a beginner yeah. and see this path of like, Oh, there's, this is kind of cool because it's a whole, art form and a discipline that I didn't, I wasn't that that familiar with. Uh, And at the same time, I'm kind of enjoying uh, our unique approach to work and software and uh, how we want to take it and the version, you know, what parts of orthodoxy in SaaS and B2B are we rejecting Mm -hmm. and how we do things our way. And I, I I was thinking about this in the context of like compensation recently because we are hiring our first account executive. So, you know, full on professional salesperson. And I'm always questioning how compensation works there. Cause it, it is, it remains odd to me that one person on the team can make double, sometimes triple the amount of money that everyone else is making, but they're, they're all doing the same thing. No, they're not doing the same thing. They're trying to accomplish the same thing. They're trying to, s- succeed you're in saying, finding you're saying between like the like a sales rep and like a lead developer or or even on the go-to-market team right uh-huh. but 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 you're right like pro product manager like because when we're on these calls sometimes i it's like right in my face when we're on a call with a potential customer this is let's say it's the first call it's like this discovery 30 to 45 minute call and we have uh myself I, I guess in that situation, I'm the account executive, I'm the salesperson. And then we have the SDR who booked the demo, who did the outbound and 
is the same person that we want on the call to introduce everyone, right? That keep that familiarity because that SDR probably talked to them on the phone to really close the, the demo and schedule the call. Mm-hmm. And so it makes sense to have that person on the call. And then you have uh, someone else from the team. And then maybe we have someone from product management. And and then this, but the salesperson's going to get this big commission check if the deal closes and everyone else doesn't. It's like this strange thing. So I try to look at that. That's something where I try to challenge some orthodoxy, but also acknowledge I, I, ha- I don't have the scars that everyone else does that that has established yeah. The, yeah, things yeah. the way they are. Yeah, yeah. It's always a question of like, well, do I do the thing that like the formula, the, the tried and true formula, or maybe question that and do it a little bit differently? I don't know. Yes, but, it's almost like you you need either confidence or ignorance or both to reject yeah. orthodoxy. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, let's get into this because that is a thing that in in the last couple of weeks here, sales, uh, like outbound sales has become a, a top priority for me. I, I have several top priorities, unfortunately, and that's that's one True. of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, because we're doing we're doing things on I, I, I'm really separating out marketing from sales. I really view these as completely separate. Channels. Completely agree. Yep. Um, we're doing things. We have marketing activity happening, but I, I really believe now that like literally all marketing, everything that falls under that big umbrella is, is slow. There is no fast marketing. There, you know, SEO is slow. Content is slow. Um, you know, even like influencers and like integrations, yeah, you can have like one big event that can send you stuff, but like developing that stuff over time, making it strong, like that's still a slow burn to get to where it needs to be. Mm-hmm. Um, sales, it, so we're doing those things. We're running some ads now, we're doing SEO, we're, we're doing that. But the, we still don't yet have like a, like a consistent, because I, I know exactly who our best customers are, I know where to find them, I know what they look like, I know what they're doing, what, where they're hanging out. We need to, a way to knock on their door, say, hello, we have this product. Um, this, is, this is the thing that, that, I, that I know you guys really well. So this is like, what do you think about this? Um, yep. You know, outbound, develop sales. Like just like literally one by one, hand-to-hand combat, just get in there and do it, right? So yeah. um, that's what I'm trying to learn how to piece together. And I've, I've done, you know, a bit of like cold outreach before, but I haven't done it in the new clarity flow positioning and mm-hmm. name and product and value proposition you know so yeah so you, you don't really know if it works if it doesn't work what it takes to make it work and so on right right i've yeah. i've i've dabbled in it under zip message i've done it before in other businesses but um there's a lot I, like i haven't really gotten it to work um and i think a large part of that is is comes down to like the target customer and the and the value proposition and yeah the pitch really um because tactics are just tactics but there are a lot yeah. of like new new approaches to this stuff that i've been learning so it's been really cool um yeah and and well i was going to say contract value matters a lot but not not necessarily it um, does but but i'm also learning i see this is where you and i will probably approach this differently because of the contract value um like I'm, I'm looking at like automated ways to do outreach to generate uh, demos, demo requests. Okay, you know. Um, yeah, yeah, right. For us, the contract and, value and, so, and automated, like 
you know, li- like cold email outreach and stuff like that, but, but also like hiring a VA and, and doing lists and, and research, but like a system and a process where it's not exactly like one-to-one up, up right. front Some, until, until it becomes one-to-one, you know? Yes. Okay. So yeah, it, it, it might be more of a hybrid, whereas because our co- contract value is high, we, we have to uh do that one-on-one work so for us outbound first outbound has worked and is leading the company we are a sales-led software company right now not marketing not product but sales on marketing our uh head of marketing is on maternity leave and i did not do a good enough job of setting things up in a way where they would continue to run without her and so our marketing has slowed down dramatically um, we still get inbound, but it's mostly from SEO and organic and some comparison pages with our competitors. But the majority of opportunities are coming in from outbound, and those are multi-touch. So it's email and then LinkedIn and then phone call. Yeah. Uh, we just heard about uh someone having success in our market with Instagram DMs for for brands. So it is it is one-to-one work. We do get the lists. We buy the lists. And then from there, there's a lot of work that goes into it. And we do have one person uh, that's on it full-time. We've cycled through a few people. Uh, but the person we have on right now, Drake, is excellent and been with us for a while. Huh. And he's kind of set the bar for anyone else that comes into the company to that, that they the have di- to match. What was like the difference between the the folks who you cycled through until until you found Drake? Like what? What was different? About I him? think I Drake is very creative, and uh, and communicates well, both written and verbal. So he does a really good job at using his his head for the the situation. So if he gets a response back to a cold email, and he sees that there's some daylight, like you know, it wasn't a screw off. <laughs> it was a yeah, it looks interesting, but you know, I doubt you can handle our complexity, right? Typical kind of like quick, like that's not a no. That's yep. not a no answer. That's some, that's daylight basically. That's, that's an engagement. That's like, yes, that's, is exa- that's an open exactly door. right. Yeah. Yes. So he is very good at turning that into an opportunity. So yeah. he will do something like uh, take a screenshot of their existing checkout, go to our demo account and upload their logo, and then send them a screenshot of the rally checkout with their logo, and and then send that over and say, this is what your checkout looks like right now. Here are a few bullet points on the things that we don't think you're doing well. Here's what your checkout would look like with us, and here are the things, the features that match the things that I don't see right now. Right. Right. So he's using that. He's using his head along with some hustle, and he's saying, when I go to your checkout, I don't see express payment methods at the top, and that's got to hurt your conversions because people, not everyone wants to fill things out. They want to use Apple Pay or PayPal. We can do that for you really easily. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's that it's it's work. It is full time work for us. We have to do it because the contract value is high, and the sales are complex, and the merchants are very guarded. Hopefully, you're able to do less work per opportunity, and it all works together. The fact that contract value is lower, but the work is lower, the numbers yeah. are greater, that type of thing. I mean, the way that I look at it is, well, number one, like we're running ads right now, too, and I see this as like competing with ads in terms of a channel. Like like we're, you know, I'm, I'm going to be spending like several thousand a month on ads, but I could put together the tools and some people in place 
for the sales outbound for, for roughly the same amount, if, if not less. Mm-hmm. Um, probably You're saying a, a little, competing for budget. Budget, yes. Right, not competing against each other so much because they can work hand in hand, but yes, like, yeah. I mean, like, like which one is going to be more effective and more profitable? Yep. You know, um, and more effective at, at just like driving uh, more sales demos. Um, mm-hmm. And they, um, you know, I also think about it like, um, obviously I want to just drive more sales demos overall, but I do. Right. Th- and, and one of the things I was, I'm, I'm learning from, from, um, by the way, like Nick Taylor, listener of this podcast, uh, I, I got to meet him and, and he runs a really fantastic SaaS business with uh, Juvo leads. Um, so he was one of the folks who, uh, who I connected with. Um, and he just showed me the whole stack of, of how they do like outbound and, you know, all, all the tools, but also some strategy and, and what it actually looks like long term. And one of the one of the takeaways from that is you, outbound is fundamentally different than inbound marketing because marketing mm-hmm. they are they are in the in the mode of searching for a tool or they have a need right now. They're they're looking for solutions, but outbound you're interrupting them. You, you know, so they're just not in a buying mode yet. So I'm so really I see outbound as as sort of just like planting the seed. You know, like here's Hey, we exist knocking on your door. Just check this out. Um, mm-hmm. If you have this problem that I know other coaches have been dealing with, like, I just want to like make you aware we're here. And I, you know, I, I don't know what the exact messaging is where we're putting that together and, and the different touch points and things, but um, it's not like a hard sell. It, it's, it's not, it's, it's just like, yeah, it'll be repeated touches, but it's not like, get in, get in here by, by the end of August, you know, to get this deal. It's, you know, because that's the other thing about clarity flow now is that like, it's a larger product. It's a, most coaches who sign up and convert, it's because they happen to be launching a a new program soon. Okay. You know, or, or they finished their previous one. Now they're doing their fall cohort and they're thinking about retooling up for that. So it's, Mm -hmm. so now's a good time for them to think about that and so that's some shifts in the business yeah and and that's pretty common with coaches like they'll go seasonal like throughout the year like they they might do a spring big course and coaching program and then the summer's quiet and then they're they gear up for like a fall thing or you know whatever it's like different for every coach so um but just like letting them know that we're there but it's still going to be a lot of work for them to like migrate in and we can help with that and and all that kind of stuff so yeah um it's just a lot of good, good learning, you know? Um, and what I like to, the way that I, I'm, I'm curious to know how, how do you actually go about learning this stuff? Cause my thing is I'm not looking for just use this tool or just use this step-by-step process and it will work for everyone. I'm much more interested in show me exactly everything, how, to, how it works in your business. And there's going to be pieces of this that probably just don't apply in my case, but pieces of it that are just like, Oh, that's awesome. I hadn't thought of that. And Mm -hmm. that's, that's really cool. And I've seen like a lot of both of those things, you know? Yes. I think we're doing it the right way. And what I mean by that is if we have resources in the bank given to us by investors to go fast, then the right thing to do is to use the resources. And, and what that means is, just being very okay with not trying to learn it myself. And we brought in a consultant that we got introduced to by one of our VCs. And she has been showing us the way. 
like very straightforward, right? That we are basically buying the expertise that we didn't have in house. Mm-hmm. And then, and then there's always some luck in that she's amazing and she clicks with our company and she and I get along really well and it's perfect timing for her. She just left one company and is in between things. So this suits her perfectly. And right. That's, that's kind of what it takes a little bit of luck and and then the right person. And, and so then, she like helps you uh, like hire and, and figure out what the roles are and what their, and what their work processes should look like. She's just, you know what she's doing? It's a combination of showing us what the best practices are and then applying her what she would call scars or scar tissue. Mm-hmm. So she's been on a sales team that's really good that ends up hating their marketing team. And there's constant infighting in the company because everyone's trying to claim who brought the lead in and who is responsible for the sale. And then she'll go to a different company and you know that works, but then the engineering doesn't work. So she's just trying to prevent things from going wrong that she has seen go wrong over and over again. And I think she's really enjoying that aspect of our being our go-to-market function being relatively immature so she can help shape it. I'm always a little bit aware of what scar tissue can do in that way, mm-hmm. you know, so, so she's maybe made a bit rigid from all, all, of her, all of her experience. So I'm layering in our unique personality. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for the most part, I'm following her lead and a lot of it becomes very obvious. Uh, here's an example. Um, land and expand. Right. Familiar term. Yeah. I-, I never really understood what the hell that meant mm-hmm. until we talked to a merchant that was big enough that if we applied our normal pricing parameters, like if we charge the same number of basis points on GMV that we do for other merchants, the deal would be like a million dollars a year, which sounds pretty cool. But you know who's going to let you walk in the door at a million dollars a year for a startup that they've never met before? Absolutely nobody. 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 Mm-hmm. And so how do you get in to an opportunity that should be a million dollars a year, but how do you land? How do you get in under that threshold of about 250 k a year that doesn't need to go to like super committee? Mm-hmm. And how do you not just make your product cheaper? And and give away too much value. So, right. So it's like pricing and packaging with land and expand in mind, working for larger merchants, you start to say, oh, maybe what we should be doing is breaking apart our feature set and have a core offering that's cheaper. And that can slide underneath that 250K threshold and get us in the door. And then they have this budget and you want to be kind of operating in that realm. And then like, cause then, cause then when they're, when they, when they are looking to expand their tools, their vendors, they would first go to the people that they're already working with before they go to new people. So if you're already working with them, you've already, you're in, you've got approval, you've got a contract in place, the invoices are being paid. And from there, customer success comes in and identifies the potential for upselling that merchant into the higher tiers with these new mm-hmm. features by teaching them how to use them. Yep. So, so like it's that type of thing where I like hit myself on the forehead, like, oh, you know, <laughs> how do I not know this? But it's it's I'm just not as aware of it as someone who's lived in that world before because I've never confronted that situation yeah. before. This is so, I mean, I mean, I love that. Because it's like, you know, I'm I'm really just thinking a lot about like how do I like 
learn and, and put and execute on, on the things that I'm learning. Um, and I, like, I'm much more hands-on and, you know, much smaller team. Like I'm the one actually like doing and putting a lot of these projects in place, eventually hiring someone to run the process. But like, I, I wire it all up. Right. So when I get on a call with, with, you know, with, with another founder and I'm just asking them like, Hey, just show me your whole sales stack and your process. And they share their screen and I can see the nitty gritty. And and then I get to, and then I, there's little like nuggets of real talk in there that are just like gold, yeah. you know, that like, you know, cause if, if you're just talking to someone in the hallway at a conference or you hear them on a podcast and it's like, oh yeah, just, just run this uh, sales process or, or, or I don't know, like do the land and expand strategy or, or like, or, or um, uh, I don't know, like you, that's, you need more, you need more that's context. That's still the end result. Like, like me and my small team, we still need to figure out how to actually do this without making a thousand mistakes. So like when, when I'm looking at, at this guy's screen, it's like, oh, they, they, they integrate email with LinkedIn touches in this way. I hadn't thought about that, and, and then and then I'll hear them say like, yeah, we tried it like these ways, and that didn't really work. And then and then this got a little bit tricky, but this is this is what we've been doing for a while. So um, and mm-hmm. then we needed like a custom hookup over here because of this or that. And it's like, oh, all right, I see, I see how it all all the dots connect now. You know? Yeah, um, yeah. There are definitely some uh, like one of the things that uh, she's taught me and us that's universal is to be customer centric. And that again, is like a, this random term that you just hear, but we make, we made many mistakes that were not customer centric. Even if we like to think of ourselves, Oh, we love the customer. We're customer centric. So we would do one mistake. I have two, two examples. One mistake we would make is in that initial 30 to 45 minute demo running through the demo, we would show what the product was capable of. Mm-hmm. So a perfect example is we have multiple options on how to use the checkout. You can use our hosted checkout. You can have it customized. You can host it yourself. You can use our elements and build your own page, or we can build a page for you and then hand it over to your IT team and they can own the page itself and our plumbing will run through it. So your team feels okay that they have control over it. And we would just be talking about like this huge range of options. And that's not customer centric. That's like talking about what you're yeah. capable of. That's like, what it, would you like to buy today? <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know? Yes. And yeah. looking back, I feel like such an idiot because that's how I would talk. Like, oh, isn't that amazing? You have all these options. They don't care about the options. They have their own problems. And now we do a lot more discovery. And then we make a recommendation on how to use our product based on what they're actually trying to do. So that's like a perfect example of like this universal rule. They'll be customer centric in the in the process. Instead of thinking about what you want to accomplish, think about how your customer needs to think and buy. Like I fundamentally believe that like most people who who are being sold on a sale, like they opt in to to go come on a sales demo, like they come into the call with a picture in their mind of like, this is what I hope they're gonna th- this thing is, right? Or these are the check boxes that I hope it checks because that's what I'm looking for. And I'm, and I'm waiting until I see those things. So that's, that's what the discovery is, right? It's like, you, tell me, like, get, get, give me a sense of what you're looking for. So I really understand it, you know? Um, yeah. For, for you, it's, you know, you don't want to show every single it's, feature you want right. to understand. I, How do you I run your literally, I, I, I've been doing some sales demos lately. I did one two days ago and I, 
the vast majority of the time on the call, I am not sharing my screen. I'm not showing the product. I, that's at the very end. Sometimes if we even get to it at all, mm-hmm. I'm spending the whole call just asking them questions and understanding what are you looking for? Um, and the, the really exciting thing now is that like, it's, it's still, I'm still seeing the confirmations of, of the product that, that we've built for this market. Like the same confirmations that I've had in the last year of doing a lot of these calls where it's like, it's a, it's a lineup of things like, well, I do these like one-on-one coaching, but I want to move more into the group coaching and I really want to get into more asynchronous. Um, but I, but I need a, I need to run my community over here and I have this course material over here and I need to integrate all these things under one coaching, uh, experience for my clients. And, um, and they, and, and, you know, I just said that really quickly, but they, they'll take like 20 minutes to sort of like explain that those are the pieces that they're trying to glue together. Um, which is exactly what, what we've built with clarity flow. And, and, and so it's really cool to hear them like describe the needs uh, for the things that, that we've been building. Um, and it just given me that confirmation that like, I get like giddy when I'm on the call and, and I have to like, like sort of hold myself back from trying to sell. Right. You know, cause uh, like the guy was saying, you know, well, I have these like course courses that I want to sell, but they're, but they're really, I just like break them up piecemeal, like different for each client. I sort of personalize it which is exactly how we've designed our programs feature. And we just launched that this week. So I'm like, oh, I just want to like be like, oh, we, we got this yeah, feature yeah. and here's how it works and you can do this or that. But it's like, if I just like keep asking a few more questions, like tell me more about that. Tell, like, why is that important? Then near the end of the call, then I can just get it. Then I know like there are just a few little touch points and like keywords that I can, that I can touch on when I show the product. Like, you know, your your client can go through your course material but then ask you a coaching question right right in line and like then it's like ooh that's that's different that's that's for me you know like because mm-hmm. it's something that i picked up earlier you know um yeah so the, i just need more of those to happen <laughs> i need more of those on my calendar that's that's the yeah that I, I i hear you i during the board meeting one of the questions that i found difficult to answer was uh which one is more important generating new opportunities or getting better at closing the opportunities that are coming our way that's and, that is a problem for me right now yeah okay okay like right it i don't know if chicken and egg is quite right but but you, you you want both right you want to get better at closing and you need more opportunities but maybe at every at any given point in time one is actually more important than the other this this actually gets into my last thing a little bit um it, and it's the age-old thing we're going to keep talking about it forever probably. Okay. It's that product versus marketing and sales, right? Um, and I'm a solo founder. Um, but actually getting back to that, what we were just saying, like like the challenge is like converting the, you know, I, I had a sales call with someone. They are super excited. Like I could definitely hear, like they are really excited about what they're seeing with Clarity Flow. And I, see, and I get emails all the time, like, oh, this looks perfect. Okay. Um, and, and then, and I also ask them on the call pretty like on, on all calls, I'll say like, so what other tools are you looking at right now? Um, and they'll tell me a few others and, but they will like verbally tell me like, yeah, but like those not so great. Like this, this is the one that sort of checks all the boxes that I'm looking for. So like, awesome. Amazing. Okay. Right? Yeah. We don't yet have like some of them do go on to convert, but like, we don't have a consistent 
like, all right, like if they're that excited on, on the call, like this needs to be like an 80% plus likelihood that they are going to be a paying It turns customer. into, okay. And, and it's not that number right now at all. It's, we have, we have disjointed onboarding flows. There should be additional calls where I'm helping them get set up and, and checking in. There should, you know, we need more of that going on. Um, you know, uh, we need just done with you guidance on going from the call to setting up, to inviting your clients, to really getting the value and, and put and like putting it live in your business and, and publishing it. Um, that's all sort of disjointed right now because of the product, right? Like, like there are things in the product that, again, I keep saying like we're like 90%. We just shipped the programs feature. We shipped some custom branding stuff. We need to get to the payments feature. That's the other big one. And I, I did this in one of my build in public videos this week where it's like, okay, today on Tuesday, I had a sales demo and I got this other email from this other person that says like, hey, when are you launching that payments feature? That's the email that I get every single week from people. Okay. But so I would love to spend all of my hours every day just hammering on sales, getting the outreach programs going, do, doing whatever, other, other like influencer partnerships, stuff like that. But, I, but really all of my hours still are going on the product. I'm managing the team. I'm building stuff myself. I'm shipping stuff. I'm, I'm, getting, I'm, I'm getting rid of those coming soon labels so that I can be on a call and say like, we have all the things that you've just asked for. And we have, right now we have like four out of the five things that, that you've asked for, you know? Um, and some people buy it and we, we have a great product today. That's why we're revving up the sales stuff and I want to be doing that. But I, but I like, if I'm full-time on that, then, then everything else gets paused on the product. And that's where I'm like frustrated right now because it's like my team, I, I never want to be like the person who's like, um, like, like if there's, if there's a team issue, it's my issue. It's, I'm not okay. managing, I'm not managing them well. I'm not, um, either giving them enough leeway to do their thing or I'm micromanaging too much or, uh, or I'm not micromanaging enough or I've hired the wrong people. You know, there, I have some open questions right now in terms of, um, do I have the right team in place, the right structure? You know, mm -hmm. because if, if, the, if the fundamental problem that I face right now is I, as the head of product and the head of marketing, I'm a solo founder, so I don't have a, another head of, of either of those. Mm -hmm. if, if I have a, a painful um, time trying to allocate enough resources to both of those things, then like, how do I fix that problem? Um, I, I, you know, hiring a separate head of product is not the answer in, mm -hmm. in my situation. Hiring a head of marketing is not the answer. I've tried that multiple times. So, you know, I've also tried like being more efficient with, with my team, like different workflows, like managing queues a little bit better, uh, managing my inbox, which is kind of chaos every single morning. Um, you know, I'm now like after trying a bunch of things, I'm, I'm now up to the point where I'm like, well, I think maybe the makeup of my team is maybe not right. And, uh, you know, one thing that I'll speak to here, I'm curious to hear your thoughts because I think this is a little counterintuitive. Okay. 
for me, solo founder, product person, and I'm technical too, right? I work directly with the devs and I build stuff myself. I find that I am just way more efficient with junior engineers than I am with senior <laughs> engineers, um, which seems weird, right? Like we want to ship more, we want more done faster, hire a senior and not a junior, right? But I, right. I, in my experience, I think it's the opposite. And literally looking back like two or three years when I only had one or two juniors, we were moving way faster. Okay, you got to break that down. Why do you think that is? What's, what's happening there? I think that... You don't want to delegate? No, I, I think I, I, just, I just have found that like the more senior devs that I have worked with, I, you know, they're now, but also in the past, um, they're really experienced and they do really, really great work but their ability to ship like like the fit for an early mm. stage bootstrapped startup is a little bit difficult for a senior dev to get on board with cuz i i do find that the more industry experience that a developer has the more of a fit they are for for a larger more established product cuz they're a bit more conservative more process for, yeah and especially back end engineers where it's like they're just a little bit more concerned with scale scalability issues and um they're right. just like kind of fixing every bug and tracking every yeah. single bug and future proofing things over testing things and refactoring things and and i and i do find myself like and i i've i've just tried to communicate to my team over and over again like we are early stage the thing that the business needs is to ship we yeah, need speed. to ship we need speed like speed 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 right um and so um, the thing with junior developers is that, I don't know, roughly 50, call it 50-50. Half the time, you can get a really talented junior developer. It, it, this only works if they are talented. If, if they, you know, because there's a lot of juniors that just don't have the skill set yet, and that's, that's totally fine. They just need time right, to learn. So you need the but, talent without, without the scar tissue of- uh, But there, are, there are some younger devs in the world who just, are talented they can mm -hmm. and they and i have some junior devs on my team who every issue that i give them they are knocking it out of the park with almost no fixes or redo this or oh you missed mm -hmm. this detail they're just detail oriented they can communicate yeah. great they like I'll, I'll put a cue in my junior developers list maybe five tickets and i think that each one might take like a half a day and like she knocks like four out of the five out in like one one day, and I'm like, what? Like, okay. Um, whereas the other one, it's like we have we have tickets that I'm like, this should be a one or two day project, and it's sitting there for three weeks because you got sidetracked with all these other issues and raising all these other scaling concerns. When I'm like, mm -hmm. I don't I don't care about that right now. We need to ship this yeah. big feature, you know. So I, I'm sort of talking in circles, but I think that the no. that that is the thing for me now is like. I'm starting to question, I don't know. The, How you have things set up. Yeah. All right, so let's, let, let's take a step back for a sec. It sounds to me like you are, um, when, if we go back and keep it simple and we say, is the problem more opportunities or is the problem doing a better job at closing those opportunities? It sounds to me like when you think about product and when you talk about product, that's really the function that closes opportunities and turns them into customers, right? So yes. it's a little different. 
We do need more opportunities. We do need more outbound. Um, Yes, but 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 what's what's that going to do for you though? It's going to create opportunities that don't get closed. I mean, that's that's the problem. Like, that's why I I firmly believe that we have both problems, and they're both number one. It's not it's not one and two. I don't know, man. That's that's pretty tough. My my gut says that you got to put more emphasis on getting the product to a point where it will close those opportunities more often. Yeah. I mean, and, and that's what the reality is on the ground. Right. That like, seems like the right. That's like your nature. Liter- literally all my hours today, besides this podcast, I've been in the code shipping a feature and, and getting it out for Monday. You yeah. Know, um, and, and, and that's been most of my week too. I, a little bit of work on sales, 90% on the product this week. Mm-hmm. And that's probably going to be next week too. So it's like, I, I, I do like I don't want to let August go by and we haven't shipped what I intend to ship this month, and that means more hours on the product than sales and marketing. Um, yeah. But but the, there's there's also the other reality, which is we have an MRR graph, we have a runway, and we do have customers who buy today. Mm-hmm. Like we get we right. get customers. reality of people paying. That's right. So it's not like we have a product that is unusable. We we have very very happy customers who are mm-hmm. super excited about what we have today. But I also get the emails like, do you have the payments piece? Do you have the programs piece? Do you have the spaces piece? I mean, now we have two of those, two of those three things, but like we don't have it all yet. And it's, Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Help me, help me figure something out here. I want to, I want to understand the differences between our two situations where it feels to me like we have an additional step where for us, Closing the opportunity is separate from the product. There really is a separation. We have a let's generate opportunities in in the go-to-market function. And then in the sales function, we have let's take that opportunity and get them into a contract and sign. And then it goes over to the product. Yes. Right. I I think you're right. I think you're right about that difference because I I would imagine that in your case much larger companies. So the people that you're selling to are not, probably not technical. They're probably not on the No, the, the engineering team, they, they get involved, but it's it's almost like nobody expects, I mean, they're not even creating an account. They're, yeah. They'll sign a contract for well, 75,000 bucks and, and they've never I been in the, in the product. No, well, well, okay, so like, one of the interesting things I've noticed about a lot of the leads that I've been speaking to this month and mm-hmm. last month is that like a lot of them are coming in with a lot of questions before they even open up a trial account. They, and they'll say, they'll, they'll literally say like, I, I just want to get all these questions answered about the product before I right. even sign up. Cause I don't have time just to try right. it out myself. Okay. So, 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 so there is, what, but, but the conversation is still very much about the product. It's not yes. about like, not like aspirational the other thing about it is is so i this might be different i'm not sure mm-hmm. in your case but in my case i'm fitting into a process and workflow and job to be done that they're already doing in some in some form with some tool okay they're they're looking okay. at replacing that with clarity flow so like i see yeah ours are usually using the checkout provided to them by the platform but some of them are switching over from one of our competitors and some of them are considering building versus buying, or they're considering a few different competitors at the same time and going through a process of making a decision. But, yeah. but here's here's the dynamic that's happening on our end is 
when we are in the sales process and the and the prospect says, can you do X, Y, Z, one, two, three? And we say, we can do X and Y, we can do two and three, we can't do Z and one or whatever the hell I just said. And what we, the dynamic ends up being, we don't have that feature yet, but we also have paying customers, which means we don't necessarily need that in order to have a business. However, you want that. We want you as a customer. If you sign this contract, we will build you that feature. Right. And, and since our go-to-market ramped up, our roadmap of features and feature work has gone from 100% or close to it of what we want to build next. And it has been squeezed out by what merchants want based on them signing a contract. And that yeah. creates an interesting dynamic because you are being paid to build the features that are most important to merchants. Yeah. It does create it does create tension and it creates pressure. I but think the there thing- is a way you're you're basically selling the product without the features that they need. But if they commit, then you can commit. The thing that I'm seeing on on that is is that all the feature requests are it's crazy how similar the they same. are. They're all the same. And it that's exciting to me because it's like, all right, good. Yeah, like we're, that's exactly what we're building. So, right. so wouldn't so, that but tell it, you like, to focus a lot more on that than on sales and marketing? Yes. And and, and, and stop, what, stop feeling guilty about about the sales and marketing because you have been told by the market, not by yourself. The, the, the MRR graph has a way of making you feel guilty. <laughs> Fuck, I hear you. <laughs> yeah. For me, it's you the know? damn bank account. <laughs> I mean, that cool. that too, you know, but it's like, it, it's, um, but what you're saying about like, it's, I, when are you going to have this feature? Or, or they, they just, a lot of them just assume that we do have it. So I'll be on a demo call and say like, um, how, how do I, how, like, how, how do I like deploy a, a, like some course content along with my coaching here? And, and, you know, before this week, we didn't have a good answer to that. So mm-hmm. it would be a lot of like, like, I, I can't say to a lead, Hey, you're real special. We're going to build that feature. I could maybe like sort of lie about that and say it's for you, but we are building that and we've actually yeah. shipped it this week. But the that's that's the conversation that I'm constantly having on these calls. Yeah, and and, and that's where that's where you're right, where it's like I need to get to a point where I no longer have to say like that we're working on that. It's coming next month. Mm-hmm. I need mm-hmm. to eliminate those from the website. I need to eliminate those from the sales calls. Right. And that, doing and, things and that requires them. product, you know. Yes. Doing things the do, doing things the way we do them in that way of like pre-selling features is not the right thing. Right. The bar for your software is higher than ours in some ways. I think that, dis- that discovery of features happened for me like a year ago. Almost okay. like a little less than a year ago when I started really researching and doing jobs to be done, interviews with coaches. Like that's when it started to really click in terms of like these are the features that they're all looking to, that they're mm-hmm. using to, uh, existing tools and duct taping them together and and they're looking for this and that continues to be the case today like what i'm excited about now is that like back then it was sort of theoretical like a year ago see, seeing what we had with zip message and they're telling me what how they're using these tools now today we have a website where we are selling the full solution on clarity mm-hmm. you could see it all there we, we don't have everything there yet yep, <laughs> in, yep. the, in the product but it's being sold on, on our homepage. So, so now yeah. I'm getting the reactions off of that. And they, a lot of them just assume that we have all of that stuff. 
And then when they go to the pricing page, they see the, the little coming soon pieces. But yep, like, yep, yep. <laughs> um, but that's that's where it's like um, it, it's still like hearing those, those requests and saying like we're working on that. That's coming next. A, a couple times they'll, they'll it'll be a little bit of an edge feature where I'm just like I haven't heard that one that much. It is something that has come up. We're probably getting into it like later in the year, but but those are like those are usually less important to them. Right. They're not, that's, that's um, not the core. Yeah. Yeah, man. Oh, yes. Well, nothing to do but keep going. Yep. Just keep grinding. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Keeping our heads yeah, we're, straight. That's, we're, that's, we're that's the other hard thing. Is like all this that's stuff, it. like product marketing and uh, mental focus. That's, that's another. Yes, that's right. Just keeping it all together. Well, the good thing is that it's Friday. And we can go get some mental focus recharging done. Hopefully, it's nice out. You got some plans for the weekend. It is beautiful. We're we're sending the kids to the grandparents this weekend, and my wife and I are gonna relax. And I don't know what we're gonna do. Have a real weekend. It sounds nice. great. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Well, we got. Uh, I'm not around next Friday because I'm going to a wedding, and uh, so we'll catch back up in two weeks. But thank you for listening, everybody. All right. Later, folks. See you.